The Crane Thrive Podcast, episode 163. PR, how to pitch with Bridget Lyons. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey there, Thrivers. Jess here. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. It's awesome to be back with you for another week with a lovely guest, uh, an old friend of mine. And we're going to be talking about PR, so getting the word out about your business. But first, uh, I am celebrating my 10-year business anniversary this month which is really exciting and a big wave to everybody who came and joined me for set up shop that's running at the moment i also have a special so there's a few special things happening uh at the moment there's a special discount going on for thriver circle members if you haven't seen this and you're already in the circle or you'd like to join us uh, thriver circle members are getting 10 percent off all of my uh other offerings during October. So that's the Brand Your Craft course and uh, How to Sell More at Markets and Shows course, uh, the Create and Thrive Guide to Product Photography and my um, shop critique services that I offer as well. Uh, If you are a member of the circle all this month, you're getting 10% off all of those things to celebrate my 10-year business anniversary. And if you'd like to take advantage of that and you're not in the circle, head on over to thrivercircle.com. It is my membership community for makers and uh, members get a exclusive podcast episode every month as well that's only available to members. So go ahead and check that out. And if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, you know, take a moment to click that subscribe button if you haven't already. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, write a review over on iTunes. Let me know what you thought of this episode or the podcast in general. And I hope you find it very, very helpful. So let's get started. Hello, Bridgie. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited uh, to have you on the show because we have known each other online for many years and we kind of reconnected recently. And I'm like, well, I have all of my Thriver Circle members and people going, yes, please. I need to know more about PR. I don't know. I don't know what it's about. I don't know how to do it. I'm like, well, who better to have to tell us about it than you? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It has been such a long time and it's it's been really great to reconnect with you and see what you've been doing with your creative th- create and thrive, which had already existed, but was like, like a little baby back then. I feel like. <laughs> and, and now like the podcast and the amazing people you have on the show and the series you're doing, it's just, I, I just love it at all. I love it all. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm really excited to talk PR uh, with you today. So how long have you been in this world? Yeah. So I started in PR broadly. So I started in the agency world 15 years ago. Whoa. And then, yeah, it's been a long time. And then I went off on my own. I was trying to do the math. I think it was um, maybe eight years ago now. It was 2007. No, is that right? 2007 was like, gosh, that was 11 years ago. No, that can't be right. Oh no, I'm being terrible. I think it was eight years ago when I went off on my I was like half in-house at the agency and then half on my own. Right. Cool. And when did you, you started B at that time? 
Yeah, it wasn't under that name at that time. Mm. Um, when I first launched my business, what I was doing then was only doing training programs. Mm. So I had this agency career. And when I left that, um, I had started doing some lifestyle blogging on the side, like a, a personal hobby, you know, as in the agency. And I'd gotten to know all of these artists and other creative people who had this amazing work and just like, we're so hard to find. One of the things that I remember really strongly was that I'm from Chicago originally, which has this amazing art festival culture in the summer. So every summer there's all these street art festivals and I would go and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, where can I find you? Like maybe I'd buy something. Maybe I wouldn't. And half of them didn't even have websites at the time mm. or I'd go look them up and they had a website, but there was no real information. And I was just thinking there's such a missed opportunity here with this whole market and learning how to promote their work, to get it in front of more people beyond just these festivals in the summer, you know, which was really mm. their only avenue. And so I just really started to get to know this community and started doing training programs around how is it that you pitch your work. And so I would write PR plans for people. I would help them track down the right media list. And then eventually I did courses. Um, and then I transitioned into B, which is what I named my PR agency, um, a few years into that, when more and more people were saying, you know what, I don't want to do PR myself. I want to hire you to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't, don't we all want to hire people to do oh, all yeah. of our work? Yeah. Um, and for a long time, I held firm on that until I had a moment where I turned away a project because I wasn't set up to do it. And it, it broke my heart to have to walk away from this work. And I feel like I made the right decision because the project was um, launching a book by somebody who I consider um, both a dear friend and a mentor. Um, her name's actually Miriam Elliott. She's from New Zealand. She had this book about her time as a UN ambassador in Afghanistan. And I was oh, just wow. like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't have the connections right now or the infrastructure or the systems to do this work. So I'm not going to take it on, but it really broke my heart. And that's when I realized that I needed to have a model where I could do both the training for people who aren't in a position to be hiring, or maybe they have in-house people they want to train up. And also to be able to take on clients that I felt really passionately about. So that's the model I have now. I think I started that about um, halfway through, so about four, three or four years ago, and mm -hmm. have been running full steam ahead on both fronts <laughs> ever since. That's awesome. So yeah, I think I think I was like the one of the beta testers for one of your courses way back when, before you started B. I think we'd already known of each other course, somehow. Of course. Yes. <laughs> oh my I goodness. think it was my Media Moxie course, yes. right? That was first yes. course. Yes. So wow. thank you so much. <laughs> I still share because you got your ring, your wedding rings into a magazine. I did, and yes. I still share that clip with people. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, so you know your stuff and you are very connected with the creative community, which is why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about that because you understand the, you know, how it's different for, for makers and yeah. what's, what's special about uh, the maker world. So I kind of want to talk about two things today. The first is sort of, you know, tips for doing it DIY and then going on and talking a little bit about, you know, why people might decide to hire a PR agency. So let's start with the, big, the, the first part. So, you know, for people who have no idea 
about it. Like the idea of reaching out to, I don't know, a, even a blogger or an influencer on social media or a, you know, more traditionally a magazine or something. Most people are just like either have no idea or are really scared or feel like they're bothering people when they do that. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you brought that up first because one of the very first things I need to teach people when it comes to how to do your own PR is that when you pitch someone for anything, right, for any kind of media coverage, um, they are not doing you a favor if they decide <laughs> to cover your work. In fact, their job is to find and source new work, right? That is how they make their money. That is their livelihood. So I don't care if you are a magazine editor at like a really well-known magazine, your job is to source and find new work. If you're a podcaster and you have an interview show, you know, even if you're not bringing in revenue, right? The contract you have with your audience is to bring in great guests that can talk about, um, in this case, it would be, you know, usually your creative process or your habits. Mm. Um, whether it's reaching out to an influencer, you know, the reason they're influencers is because they're always introducing their audience to new things they want to know about. So the most important thing you can do before you ever do PR is really try to cultivate this mindset that you actually have something of value to offer. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you can switch your framing there, it changes everything about how you make that approach. Because then instead of saying like, oh my God, I'm bothering people. I don't know what to do. And kind of shrinking back, you can say, no, there is somebody out there whose job it is to introduce their audience to work just like mine, to artists like me, to makers like me. Now what my task is, is not convincing myself that I'm worthy, but just finding those people. And we all know how to Google. Like if you feel like that person is out there and that exists and they're looking for you, it's so much easier to get started than if you feel like, oh my God, they're doing something huge for me. No, it's a total equal exchange. It's a mutual benefit for them and for you. I love that you said that because I I try to tell it to my students. It's like, you're actually helping them. <laughs> like you're helping them do their job if you've got something of value to offer them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a positive thing for everybody. So when we, we get over that, I guess, and, and sort of switch our mindset to that, hey, it's, I've got something of value to offer. I guess, first of all, you know, how do we go about deciding who we want to pitch to or, you know, it's, there's such a big world out there. Like, do we start with social media or do we start with like old fashioned magazines? And I mean, does it depend on what we make and who we are? Like, do we, do, what sort of, uh, I guess, uh, things do we think about to decide where we want to pitch? Yeah. I really wish that right now this is actually visual because I have like a whole chart of like, <laughs> Um, and it's sort of hard to, to visualize, but mm. I want to say that my, my agency specifically, we started working in, um, different kinds of traditional media outreach. So we were doing magazines. We do a lot of guest blogs and contributions. We do a little bit of influencer work, although mostly that's working with clients who already have an influencer network to figure out what they want to offer to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons that we really have focused in on podcasts is because the cost benefit of pitching a podcast to being on the show and what you get for it is so incredibly strong. So for most people, that's actually where I'm recommending they start now. Um, Yeah. But I do want to add though, that 
you know, when you have a product, um, that balance does tilt a little bit into a favor too of doing more traditional kind of outreach. So one example is, you know, any sort of print media or online outlet that's regularly doing product roundups. Those are such an easy thing to pitch because that's an area where you can actually write up one pitch with one peg, and I'll tell you what a peg is, and send it out to 10 people. So the amount of work you do is low. The only problem is the success rates of those are also low. So it's not mm. a lot of success. It's not a lot um, It's not a lot of risk either. So what I'm gonna say for that is, let's say you know you want to be in holiday gift guides, and whether it's an online or in print, you, know, you can send exactly the same email to 20 different holiday gift guides, giving yourself this peg. And so what a peg means is, what is the media kind of talking about that you can peg your work to? So mm -hmm. for a holiday gift guide, it can be, you know, product rounds up under $50 or under $100 or splurge or steal, right? You can look up and see what those common gift guides are, decide which one makes the most sense for your product, write an email and send that out to 20 people. Now there's a lot of competition there, so I wouldn't hinge your business on that, right? And that's something mm -hmm. that's really important to me. Um, PR is not something that you should ever look at as a replacement for sales. So PR is never going to fix a sales problem um, and you shouldn't build your business as though it would. Not that it won't help your sales, mm. um, but it's not a great strategy where if you're really, really struggling, it's not necessarily the first thing I always recommend. It's actually a little bit better when you're starting to get momentum um, because that's the thing is like all that effort you do sending those pitches out well, now that might have taken you away from going out and directly selling your work, right? And we don't want that. We want you to make money first. <laughs> yes. And then PR can create it. When you have some momentum, PR can really supercharge it in a way that um, other things don't always do as good of a job as. So that's where I think PR has that role. And then getting those online features, magazine features, influencers are the same thing. If you find influencers who are covering work like yours, it's very easy to do some outreach. I think the only challenge for me with influencer outreach is that um, it starts getting into the realm of advertising because mm -hmm. a lot of influencers will charge you to, so if I'm, you know, have an Instagram feed and I've got 50,000 followers or, or even less 10,000 or more, you know, I'm probably going to charge you to mention your work in my feed. Mm -hmm. um, and so then, then it's not an earned placement, right? It's not free like the rest of PR is anymore. And so now you're looking at, is that the best use of an advertising budget? Yeah, that's a tricky, interesting thing because there is that mix of like, you know, when there's magazines and they have advertisement and they also have stories. So you're kind of like, well, which one is more powerful? And obviously if you can pitch and get a, some sort of story feature, I would generally think that's more powerful because it's, it, it's more, people can tell, I guess, savvy, savvy yeah. people can tell that it's not an advertisement, so to speak. Yeah, it comes across as an endorsement. Um, mm. And so that's really powerful. And the other thing is, if you advertise, you can't say your work is like as seen in, in the magazine name or the outlet name, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whereas if you've been chosen on the editorial side, you can. So then, you know, we were talking um, before we started recording about Megan Amon, who we both know and is a really good friend of mine. And was it Better Homes and Gardens? I can't even remember. But a celebrity wore her earrings on the cover of the magazine. And so on the sales page, she's able to put that, you know, mm -hmm. there. And that really helps with your sales. And so that's where it's like PR can really supercharge the results you're already having once you start having a lot of interest in your work. I think that's a really clear example. Um, but if it's an advertisement, 
it doesn't, it doesn't do the same sort of thing. Yeah. I think this is interesting. You say, you know, the PR is a supercharger and it's not perhaps the first thing that you would look at because I think a lot of people hear these stories of successful makers, especially the ones who get successful quickly. And usually it's because they've somehow stumbled upon some sort of massive PR feature that has kind of skyrocketed their business really fast. And there are challenges, obviously, that come along with that. But that doesn't happen for most people. And I think most people then feel a little bit disheartened. They're like, well, that person got overnight success. Why can't that happen to me as well? Yeah, it's such a challenging thing. Like those things definitely do happen. And so if they happen, you know, then we're talking about how do you set yourself up so you have the systems to take advantage of that? Mm -hmm. Like can you make enough production uh, once you get that piece? But I really don't believe in um, like building a business based on luck, which even (laughs) that's what it feels like to me, you know, like hoping to get discovered. And pitching yourself isn't really about luck, but it is about a little bit about timing. And so you could send out the same pitch two years in a row for holiday gift guides and maybe one year no one answers and the next year you have some different features. And it could literally just be because the thing that you're selling is really um, fitting with a hot trend that some Mm -hmm. TV show popularized, right? You can't control that kind of thing. Um, And so I think that that's where I look at PR as a thing that it's really good to make it a habit in your business and to make it a consistent part of your marketing practice that you have in your business. And you can get a lot of really good PR coverage just in a few hours a week. And so I think that, you know, if you are doing marketing or even if you're hiring out marketing, making it a part of that project flow is super, super important. But I wouldn't say that if you're really struggling though, on the flip side to bank on that big moment, because that's going to set you up just to get really down and whether or not your work is being, you know, picked up in that way or not, doesn't really say anything about the value of the marketability of your work. Right. And that example, like if there's a TV show and they've just popularized something like that's the thing that everyone's going to be doing that really doesn't say anything about the respective value of two makers and what they're putting out there. That's very, very true. So with PR, so we've talked about, you know, mindset with that, thinking about where we want to pitch, what is, what should someone looking to put together a pitch? What are some of the key things you mentioned to peg before? What are some of the key things? I think one thing I want just comes to mind for me because I've received so many pitches over the years is people who just write way too much. (laughs) (laughs) They like tell me their life story, which is lovely, but I don't need to know that to decide whether I'm going to feature your thing on my blog or whatever, you know? So what's the kind of, what's the sort of industry standard way of doing that without overwhelming the person at the other end of the email? Yeah, I think the best way is we can talk about this generally, and then we can maybe pick a different, like a podcast or print or something to Mm -hmm. make an example out of. But really generally what you want to do is, um, tell the story to the person you're reaching out to of how is it that your work fits into the coverage they already have. So one of the other big misconceptions people have is that, you know, people and people, editors are always saying this, like, we're looking for something new. Well, no, they're not like, look at a checkout counter at a grocery (laughs) store. All the headlines are the same, you know? And so what they're looking for is a slight twist on the things they're already covering. So whenever you're starting to do your own PR, 
what you're actually looking for are places that are covering other products that are just like yours, that are very similar to the work you do, whether it's in, you know, categories. So is it, do they cover a lot of stationery or jewelry or whether it's in material or price point even, you know, there's some outlets where um, I think a lot of us think of like the pricing of our work where it's like, okay, maybe they'll only cover, um, earrings that cost under $50. And then there could be another outlet that they're not covering earrings, you know, thinking about Vogue or Vanity Fair under probably $5,000, you know? Mm. And so looking for that is, does your work fit in with the work that they are? And then sharing them, like, here's an idea of how my work might fit in. So, um, like, do they do a lot of roundups? You know, you can look at like, are they doing a lot of trend-based roundups? Well, you can look and see what are the Pantone color of the year? Do you do something there? And can you suggest a roundup using your work? Um, and then you just give them the information needed. Or um, if you want to pitch a podcast, my favorite tip is look at the show notes and write your pitch like a mini version of the show notes. Hmm. Um, so you want to tell them exactly what the episode would be write it very much in the style that they're doing their show notes. Because what happens is that the person you're reaching out to can visualize like, Oh my God, Jess is a perfect fit. Of course I'm going to have her on. It's like, <laughs> oh, I, fit. <laughs> I used your language um, in sales. It's actually a technique called mirroring. So if, if you talk quietly and slowly, a good te- sales technique would mean to like talk more quietly and slowly. We like people who sound like us mm. and you can do that in your writing. So you can use the language and, and the formatting that they do in the show notes. Um, on the length thing though, I have a mantra in my company, which is eliminate the scroll. So we use um, Google drive and our, you know, we use Gmail mm-hmm. for business and I have a rule where if you have to scroll down basically to get anything but the signature and the pitch, it's too long. So that's how nice. you know we're written. <laughs> I like that. That's nice and clear. <laughs> Eliminate the scroll. So you want to tell that story of how your work fits into whatever content they're putting together and then you know, do it in as concise way as possible. And if you have more information you want to share, we all have websites. Link it. <laughs> yeah. Link to your and, you know, I love it also when people include a couple of photos, but low res, but, you know, mm-hmm. enough so that you can see what the person's all about. Oh, and the website thing, my goodness, the amount of pictures I've gotten over the years where people don't put their website in there and I have to Google them. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Just oh, make it easy God. for me. It's <laughs> oh, crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so sorry. It's so strange. It's like they get, it's like they tell their story and then they just forget to, to do that one really important thing. Cause that's, that's the first thing I do is go look at someone's website and then usually look at their like social media and stuff as well to get a kind of a bit more of a rounded view, but it's so important to put that in there. And yeah, this, the most successful pictures I've gotten is, you know, I have a lot of makers on this podcast and numerous uh, numbers of them have pitched me and you, the most successful ones, it's always when they've got a unique something unique about their story. Like they pull out a few unique points about their story and they make sure to frame it in a way of this is a lesson I learned and something I can teach people because that's why I have people on the show. I want successful people on the show who've learned some things that they want to share to help other makers. So rather than just saying, this is my story, blah, 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 it's way more successful if you exactly, you give me what I need, which is, you know, what is, what is unique about you? What are the lessons that you can share and teach to my audience? And that is almost 
guaranteed to get you on the show if it's a good, if it's good lessons. <laughs> yeah. Like I think a lot of the problems and the hangups that people have with pitching, I, I say, I think I know based on all the work <laughs> I've done mentoring hundreds of people through this is, is if you can take the focus off of yourself and your work and like all of the perfectly normal and natural fears and anxieties that come up and instead focus on the person that you're reaching out to. So one of the things that I always really emphasize with people is that it's almost universally a bad idea when you start writing a pitch email, which a pitch is just suggesting yourself, whether it's your um, work to go in a roundup or a gift guide, or whether it's suggesting yourself as a guest on a podcast, right? That's what you're doing. You're pitching yourself as a, as a guest. Mm-hmm. So it's almost universally a bad idea to do that kind of like in this general sense, like I want to pitch some podcasts, so I'm going to write this podcast pitch and then I'm going to find some people to go on. It's exactly the wrong order. The first thing you want to do is actually think about who are the podcasts, what research can I do into the podcasts that are interviewing people like me, and then what kind of content do they do? So you just shared exactly that you like people to talk about their personal stories and things that they learned along the way. That's one really common way that people structure interviews. But what you need to do, though, is, you know, not assume that there's just this one right way and actually look at the show and look at what are the kinds of things that they're that they're doing. And everyone and their mother will tell you, listen to the the shows to get to know it. And I think you absolutely should listen Mm -hmm. to a show before you pitch it. But if you look at the show notes, what you can tell is, you know, you can't necessarily control everything that I'm going to say right now, right? But you can mm-hmm. control how you want to frame this episode up later. So I think the show notes actually give us sometimes more of an insight into where you really want to be going and what your audience really wants. And so just looking at the show notes for like three interview shows and seeing what do they focus on? Do they focus on personal stories or um, do they focus on how to's or, you know, there's all these different kinds of interview shows. And so just paying attention and then giving them that, right? Yes. Um, and, and taking that focus and putting it on the other person and not so much on yourself. Um, it just, it shifts all of the energy with what you're doing. I think that's so, so important. It's, yeah. Looking at starting with where you want to pitch, who you want to talk to, what they care about, what their, what their style is, what they're, they're all about. And and deciding, okay. And then pitching, I think another thing you mentioned before about the, like the roundup, and that's a really simple one because like you said, you can send it to lots of different people, but if you're actually pitching something a bit more higher level, like your story to like a magazine that actually interviews makers, for example, you want to make sure that you're pitching it in a way that will appeal to the sort of stuff they want to write about and the, the sort of stories they want to tell. So starting with, starting with, the, the other side of the equation, that's a really good way of thinking about it, definitely. Yeah. So are, are there any um, big no-nos that people should avoid when pitching? Sometimes it's easier to know what not to do. Yeah. Well, we already talked about a big one, which is my eliminate the scroll. On the mm-hmm. flip side, though, there is a pitch style that's been popularized by some of the internet marketers where they'll talk about this like really short two-sentence pitches. And that doesn't work either, right? Mm. So you have to give the person that you're reaching out to like enough to sink their teeth into and to get intrigued. So you don't want it to be two sentences and you also don't want it to be five, like six paragraphs. So there's a balance in between that and length. Mm. Um, Another no-no is um, addressing someone by the wrong name or not even addressing it to a name at all. Oh, I hate that. 
yeah, I just delete like those because you, yes. see, you, you see it in Gmail and you see the first line. And if it says hello there, if it doesn't use my name, I just automatically archive it. I'm like, you haven't even bothered to look up my name. I'm not going to bother to read your email. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, I um I just did the PR for um, being boss when they released their book, and yes. um I get pitches for their podcast, even though it says on their press page, "Do not contact Bridget about our podcast." <laughs> so that's also a no-no, right? Like if it yeah. says "Don't do that," don't do that. And somebody just pitched me. My email address has my name in it, like right there, and I'm like, they were like, "Good morning," and I'm like, "Really? You had to type my name in <laughs> to send me this email." I'm so irritated. Um, and I just deleted it. The same thing you do because they've told me, Hey, they're not following our instructions. You're free to delete anything you want. Mm. Um, which is another thing where, you know, I almost always emphasize that people try to find the name and the email address of the person who is putting together. So a podcaster, you know, who is the person running the podcast? What's their email address? But like, just, you have a contact form. And when mm. I see that, I generally, um, will honor it because most of the people who have podcasts are also small business owners and they put together these processes for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I think respecting the process that somebody has asked you to do, um, is, is also really important, you know, just respecting the guidelines that they're giving to you and then give them the information that they've asked for within those and not trying to kind of circumvent them. So I think another big no, no is really when, um, it, it's like that old thing of like, don't ha actually have so much gumption, you know, yeah. <laughs> like follow instructions. Yeah. Um, and it's about respect. Like if somebody, if you, if, if you're asking somebody for something and even though let's cycle back to the beginning where it's a, it's a mutual exchange, like I need guests for my podcast. That's, you know, it's an important part of the show. Uh, but you have to show respect and, and part of respect is like you said, following the process that the person has outlined and just for goodness sake, use their name, like at least show them that much respect. <laughs> and, and it's an instant marker of disrespect when people don't do those things. And for, for people who are busy, who get lots of emails and lots of pictures, you need to stand out or at least not, you know, put them off. So those sorts of really, and to most of us will be like, well, yeah, of course you do that. But so many people don't. Um, and it's usually those, you know, PR blasts that big companies will do or someone will hire someone to, to send out. And, you know, you can tell that they haven't even bothered to look at what you do. It's just the same generic thing they send to everybody. And I guess, you know, eventually it must work on, in some places, but not for a small business like mine that, you know, we, we care about what we're doing and we want to, we want to share quality. So, yeah. I mean, those agencies make me look so good so they can keep doing what they're doing. <laughs> some people will be like, I don't want any PR pitches after that. And then I'm like, but, but we're not, we don't all do that. Yeah. Some of them actually care and pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> some of us care about our own reputations. Yeah. And I think that is another no, no. Like some people will be super aggressive with follow-ups. Mm. Um, so I've heard people who say, follow up until you get the no. And like, you know, I have a little bit of a bias here because I do have an agency. We work with a lot of the same podcasters time and time again. So I was actually just on this new business call with, I won't name him, but like somebody who most people would recognize his name. And I just straight up at one point in the conversation was like, look, like my most really important relationships in my business are the relationships I have with the podcasters and other media I work with. Like, 
because the clients will come and go. If mm-hmm. I don't have good relationships with the shows and the media outlets I work with, I don't have a business anymore. I literally have to do something else. Um, and people like, you know, in podcasts or other business owners who you can make business connections with. So that's one of the reasons I love podcasts is like, you get that exposure, you have a long interview with people get to know you, you get the backlink to your website and the recommendations, but it's also a great networking tool. It's a great way to network with the leaders in your industry, the people who are really in front of your audience and get invited to do other things. So it has that really amazing short-term and the long-term benefits. Mm. Um, And so for me, I'm always looking at the long-term and thinking, your business is not going away, right? In a year, you want to have a long-standing business. So you can go back onto the show. So you want to show up really well. And if you are, I always say one follow-up, maybe two in certain circumstances. Um, we usually just do one though. And um, it's because you just, you don't want to pester someone to the point where they never want to hear from you again. <laughs> Yeah. And that happens so often. Like I'll often get those big generic pitches and then they'll email you and then they'll email you again, like two days later, and then they'll email you again two days later. And it's just like, look, I haven't got back to you because I, I don't want you on the show. And I, I <laughs> usually, usually they're the same ones that don't use my name. So like I archive them and then they pop back in my inbox when they reply. I'm like, no, go away. You know, it's, and sometimes I just crack and say no, but you know, you have to realize people are busy and, you know, they are not necessarily going to spend the time to say no to people who've already shown them a disrespect. And that's, again, it comes back to that respect thing. Uh, so I think that's really important. So let's say you've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but let's segue a little bit more into working with a PR agency or hiring a PR agency as, as a maker, as a small business. At what point might somebody decide to do that and why? Yeah. Well, this, I feel like I'm sounding like such a Debbie Downer. You guys, you should be doing PR (laughs) because what I'm going to say is that one of the things I've really come to realize is that it's very expensive to create momentum where it's very efficient and beneficial to build on momentum you already have. Mm -hmm. So I actually recommend that people, unless you have, you know, money from another business that I, you know, I've had clients who are like, I want to start my business right from the get go. And they're just investing all over the board and they have it right. They have the Mm -hmm. funding to do that. But if you're like, I mean, I'm a bootstrapper, I don't have that kind of funding. And I think that when you're just getting started and you're getting traction, I actually almost always recommend to people that they learn how and do their own PR in the very beginning. Because what will happen is that you will um, build up some great skills. A lot of the things you do in PR help you amazingly with just like sales and and, um, even how to talk about your work if you do trade shows and how people come up. I mean, there's so many skills you'll get from this. Um, but the best point really to hire an agency, and this is what I hear from my clients all the time is like, you know what? I just had this couple of pieces of PR come for me out of the blue and it was like outstanding and I want to keep it going. And I don't have the time. My business is running full tilt. Like it's really time to outsource this. And so that's where I talk about, you know, you don't want to start hiring out PR before you have the money coming in, Mm. um, to really make that a worthwhile investment. Um, but I think that when you're in that moment where you have something that's really, really working, what PR does is it just gets that in front of a lot more people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not all of those people are going to buy from you right away. Some of them will right away and someone will down the road. So it's one of those things where you're like, I'm having good momentum and I want to build myself up so I don't lose that momentum so that in six months or a year, like 
people are still coming to my shop. People are still checking out my work. Um, and I think that that's about the time when it can be really beneficial to bring in somebody to just hand that off to and run with it. Mm. I think that's a really good point because a lot of, it's sort of, I think that's the same for a lot of things in business. I'm a big believer in learning how to do it yourself first for mm-hmm. anything, because then you understand the processes and when you do, or if you do pass it off to somebody else, you can, you can still be aware of it and kind of be overseeing it and make sure that the person you have hired is representing your business in the right way. Yeah. And a PR person, like, you know, one of the things I do, so we do the outreach, we do a lot of messaging and positioning work, but like what a PR person can't do for you is tell you like, is generally speaking, like we're not business coaches, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe if you're really early on, are you still working with your pricing structures and things like that? Like still in that question, hiring a PR person, getting a lot of attention to your business can actually be a disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there, there's something called the Oprah effect, um, which is what happens when Oprah mentions a business and it goes under because they can't handle the attention. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all because I actually have seen a lot of bits. Uh, a big one um, is Etsy. So Etsy does like a featured seller thing. Yeah. So over the years, I've seen a n- numerous featured sellers who've really struggled uh, when they've been the featured seller because they just get these huge influx of orders and they just, they cannot, they can't keep up with it. And so they oftentimes they have to end up like shutting their shop for a while Um, or even worse, they've, their price points are too low and so they can't afford to outsource. And yeah, so that sort of thing, it can definitely happen. Yeah. And then when you are ready to hire, like I, I was just having a conversation with um, a longtime client of mine and she said to me, you know, one of the coolest things about working with you is that you just like know all of <laughs> who everyone is, right? Yes. So she um, is really well known. She does contract templates. Her name's Christina Scalera. She's actually the co-host of Creative Empire and she has the contract shop. And she got really well known in like the wedding industry. So anybody who did like wedding services or calligraphy, um, she's really tapped into that. And she was looking to expand and she has all these contract templates for all these different industries. And she's like, I just can't possibly know all the different kinds of podcasts and blogs and influencers out there in graphic design, in um, (laughs) just the general creative entrepreneur space in like, you know, there were so many different spaces that she's serving. And so, you know, I was just working with her and I always take that for granted because it's kind of my job. Like I'm looking right now at my podcast outreach list and it is more than, um, it's about 250 long right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> podcasts that I work with. Yeah. And it's actually kind of small. It's only a couple of industries, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's wild, like there's a podcast out there for everyone. And she's like, it's just so great to know that like you were always thinking about getting me in front of people that, um, I never would have thought about for myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'll just mention, Oh, what what about this blog? And do you know about them? And they do money issues and negotiation and that could work for you. And she's like, and it's a huge site, but she just hadn't heard of it because no one person can hear of all this, not even me. Um, But I, I work with a small team and it's our job to be constantly finding these new things. And so that's a real benefit actually of bringing someone on is to help you, see possibilities when you're more in the day-to-day running of your business. 
Yeah, that is a really, really good point. And I think I was talking to uh, one of my guests recently. She was she actually did a PR degree, but then she runs a, a bath and body product uh, company now. And she uh, she hired a PR agency for a couple of months. And I'm like, why did you do that? And she said, because you have a degree in this. And she said, well, it's it's about who you know. They know the people. They know, you know, that's their job. And so that's why I hired them because they have the, the contacts and they have the knowledge. And I think that's a really important point to make because that is a big part of, of what you're buying when you do decide to, to get PR help and, and hire an agency. Yeah, I do think when you are looking to outsource, um, you know, I get a lot of people, I've been doing this for a long time. I've got, you know, people have been reading my email list, I think for like seven years since I started it, <laughs> like still people who open it, um, it's, it, which is a total honor, right? But I don't specialize in all of those kinds of businesses. And um, if you're not in an area where I feel like, to me, it's not even knowing the contacts because that's actually one of the easier part. Like, um, building a relationship is really just about having a good pitch. And I really hate when contacts hold people back. Mm. What I think it more is, is having an agency who knows your industry as as well as, or as close to as well as they can as you do. Mm. So for example, when I take on a client, we do um, a 90 minute onboarding session where I'm talking to the client about what their message is, what their work is, who their audience is, what are the trends in the industry that they're seeing, those kinds of things. And if I know nothing about the industry, um, I'm just not going to be able to go as deep with that conversation and maybe come up with some of those angles or the, you know, the news pegs that I talked about that are important. And so one of the things is, is people are always asking like, is my work unique enough or is my message unique enough? And I understand why people ask that question, but it's actually to me the wrong question. It's like, what is there about your work or the way you approach it or what you're doing that um, is like a little bit outside of the norm or just interesting enough or tapping into this cultural moment? Like you have to find that thing to peg the work to. And so you want to hire somebody who understands your industry well enough that they can say, you know what, that trend is actually um, dying down. So like an example for me is I work a lot with people in this um creative entrepreneur space. And like a few years ago, people were always, and they still do talking about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Well, right now people are kind of moving away from that. Right. And, um, they're talking about work-life balance in different ways, or it's been kind of overplayed, played out. And so I'm not going to pitch that as an angle right now, even if though that's somebody's work, it's like, we have to find the right thing that's happening at the right moment. Mm -hmm. And so you want to hire an agency that knows your industry well enough that they know what the trends are and what's bubbling to the surface. That's a really good point. Like you have to like do your research like you would with anything else and make sure that when you do hire someone, you don't hire them randomly <laughs> to make sure that they are, they are in touch with your industry. Definitely. Is, is there like some sort of, I don't know, place people can go to find PR agencies? Is this like some sort of book or website or resource or is it just a case of Google it? Oh God, I don't even know. Um, like what I would do is I would Google like search terms like, um, like PR for jewelry or mm. accessories PR or boutique accessories PR agency, like different things like that. 
Um, because you want to just go with like, you know, not just a PR that works with somebody in product, but do they work with your specific product? Another thing is honestly, if somebody works with a competitor, I know people are going to be crazy hearing me say this, but it might be a really good person to work with you. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, especially, or maybe not a competitor. Like I like to think of like brand idols, like who are those places that have a business that's not unattainable, but just a few paces ahead of where yours is. Um, and what is that brand idol, like a person that you're looking up to, um, and are they getting any sort of help or representation? But yeah, I would look at, look at, um, search terms. I don't personally know of a, like there's lists, like the mm-hmm. best small agencies and things like that, but you have to submit, you would miss a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Just Googling and deciding, um, like you can decide in the kinds of outreach that you want. So, you know, if it's podcasts or if it's magazines, um, so you could, I would do really specific terms like PR agencies specializing in jewelry magazine placements and see what you can find. Mm. Yeah. Do, dig down, be specific, look for exactly tell, what you want. Tell Google what you want. It will, it will provide. <laughs> what did we That's do? one of my life mantras. Oh my God. What did we do before Google? Gosh. The yellow oh, pages. Our life is so hard. Yeah, <laughs> man. It was privacy though. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's a whole different world now. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I think we've covered quite a lot in that episode. Are, are there any kind of uh, final tips that we, we haven't touched on you'd like to share? Um, I just wanted to say that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, I am at a momentum point, or I think I can maybe do this PR thing. Like you mentioned podcasts. I'm really into that. There is so much information out there for how you do it. And the way that I always recommend is that you start really small. So my number one tip for anybody who's thinking about doing their own PR is to pitch one thing a week. Um, And so that will look like finding the place that you're going to pitch, doing 30 minutes of research into them and sending them an email. So once you get in the flow, like once you get started, it's going to take some trial and error. Like what are the right search terms to find what I need? Um, What does a pitch template look like? But once you get in the flow, you can get all that done in a couple hours a week. And the way I look at it is if you send out one pitch a week, that's 52 pitches by the end of the year. Um, And so you know, you can make incredible progress just doing a little bit of work a week or, you know, do four pitches one time a month and spend half of the day on it. Um, I think that's a really great place. And if you do want any sort of training, I definitely offer a lot of different training programs. I have a lot of free advice at my site at bridgetlions.com. And I also have a course um, on how to do podcast outreach, which is a total training and systems and templates, like everything you could possibly want at um, bridgetlions.com forward slash get booked. So those are some resources out there for you. But um, I never want anyone to feel discouraged. Like just you did my very first beta class and you got like a magazine feature from that, you know? <laughs> yes. I think it was like seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely a better teacher now that I'm like cringing to think of that <laughs> than I was seven years ago. And I've had people become contributors on ESPN magazine after seeing my creative live courses, which you could also check out. I should have mentioned those. Mm. Um, I mean, the amount of press you can go out and get yourself literally next week. If you just, you know, spend a couple of hours a week is just absolutely amazing. So I do recommend that, that you do it and that you try it out because, you know, it is something that will take any sort of success or momentum you're having in your business and just take it to 
and the next level and bring in so many opportunities you wouldn't dream of. So just, just try one, <laughs> just try yeah. one. That's my parting, parting word. It's like anything in business, just try it. It's an experiment. Give it a go. What's the worst yeah. can happen? If, if you don't do it, it's an automatic no. You, you know, right. you get no 100% of the time if you don't try. So definitely. And um, all the links to um, Bridget's um, website and stuff is in the show notes. So you can go click over to that if you want to. And you should go check out all of her uh, courses and information. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to you about PR. Oh, thank you so much, Jess. I hope you got some great takeaways from that episode and I encourage you to get out there and tell people about your business. Send that email to that blog. Get in touch with that podcaster, whoever it might be that you think you could, uh, you know, who would be interested in your story and it would help them uh, with their thing. You know, magazines are looking for story. Podcasters are looking for guests. You just have to find somewhere that is the right fit for you. So I very much encourage you to go give that a shot. And thanks again for listening. And I will be back again next week with another episode. My name is Jess Van Den, and this has been the Create and Thrive podcast. And goodbye for now.